What's up, everybody? This is Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com, and as always, I'm joined by... This is Adam over at Backpatio Network. And we are here for the last AMP episode of 2019. How crazy is that, man? Uh, it feels like just yesterday we started recording this, and I'm pretty sure it was at the beginning of the year. It was, or yeah, I mean, like maybe March or April that our first episode went live, possibly. Yeah, but yeah, I think sure. you and I had put our heads together uh, earlier than that and played around with one piece and decided that we were going to... We weren't quite ready to jump into the deep end of a 1,700-episode anime. So, <laughs> Yeah, no joke. I mean, it, it would have been kind of nice to have something that we would have been catching up on forever, because I hate having to wait now, you know? Yeah, uh, that's but true. But it, it makes the episodes all the much more sweeter, you know? Yeah, and, you know, we had kind of erred on the side of My Hero, not just because of length, but because of cultural relativity or popularity, I guess. That's yeah, um, huge. And it's, yeah, it's it's massive. However, at the same time, uh, a few weeks ago, the a One Piece came out with a new movie, and a lot of people that I knew were talking about it that I didn't even know were One Piece fans to begin with. So really? it's still it still must be big enough that, you know, it's still hitting theaters with movies. I, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I think it's still an ongoing series. I don't think it's over. So there's just thousands of episodes. Yeah, well, I mean, Dragon Ball Z is leaning in that direction now, too, or, or Super. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still seeing, I'm trying to avoid internet spoilers for that stuff, because, like, I've seen all the way up through the anime what's already been released, but these posts are hitting the internet around, like, manga chapters that are way far out ahead of where the show oh, is right now. yeah, and it's crazy. Like, I've seen some stuff I was like, oh, man, I wish I knew the relevance to this. Now it's just a spoiler, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're t- I, I see headlines and I'm like, I don't even know who that character is. So. Right, right. I will say, uh, I think, you know, the uh, recording or I guess production of the, the actual anime for Super has been put on hold, but one of the creators like made a really kind of ambiguous tweet recently that makes people think that they're about to start publishing the next season. So I guess we'll see. Mm. That'd be cool. Because I finished Super a couple weeks ago and I'm like, seriously, Jones. And- yeah, I, I miss it too. It, it's been, I was actually watching it like, on on youtube as it was releasing oh yeah probably probably illegal but i don't know but anyway so i've I've been done with it for quite some time and i haven't i haven't even gone back and rewatched it on hulu or anything yet um i need to just to kind of scratch that itch yeah yeah so but enough of dragon ball z you if you listen to this uh this show for any length of time you know that we tend to uh dabble into that particular anime's world almost every episode i swear yeah i think it's I think we, language. we really have a Dragon Ball Z podcast that we mask with My Hero stuff. It's true. <laughs> it's about, In fact, about true. I think it was uh, episode 73 is, uh, or no, maybe it's 72 with uh, Fat Gum is kind of really one of the main characters there. And if I remember correctly, uh, his voice actor is Adult Gohan's voice actor in Dragon Ball Z. That is correct. And yeah, I've got to say... I put that as a trivia one day on the Twitter. Yeah, I actually paid attention that week. Uh, or maybe you told me in an episode and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, hold on. Cause I just found out I was totally going to expose you later on, but I'm calling you out. I, yeah. had, I gave you trouble. I think on our last episode, I asked if you even followed us on Twitter and you're like, <laughs> of course I do. And then like four days later, I get a notification that the real Simso is following uh, almighty pod. So yeah, I was really busted. embarrassed. Yeah, it was busted. bad. It was bad. Cause I was like, uh, you know, I, I keep all of Back Patio's Twitter handles on my phone. So I've got Rocks and Rune Lords, New Path Podcast, Back Patio Network, Almighty Pod. And then I also have my own Twitter, which I don't feel like I ever use anymore. And I got a notification that was like, Almighty Podcast follows you. You should follow them too. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Exposed. Yeah, I felt pretty bad about that. Uh, I almost you know, took a screenshot and shared it on the uh, the Almighty Podcast Twitter, but I didn't. I didn't want yeah. to expose you that hard, but I was totally calling you out on the podcast for sure. I appreciate it. More people will hear it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, in episode 72, Fat Gum totally sounds like Gohan to me. Uh, I mean, it was like... It was the first time where I heard him in like in battle, and I was like, that's Gohan. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to... You can modulate your voice at a speaking level fairly easily, but it's really hard to change it drastically, I think, when you're screaming. Yeah, I would agree and, with that. Um, so, you know, like, if I'm doing role play for a character in a tabletop RPG, and they start yelling, then I lose some of its distinctive characteristics, and it just sounds like Mike yelling. Right, um, right. But I'm no voice actor, so I'm not trying to discredit uh, the the voice actors at all. But I just, in my head, it's much harder to remain distinctive from just your like default voice when you're yelling. Uh, so I guess that's where Gohan really c- came through in this particular episode. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree. That's certainly when it was, but it was just kind of nice. It was familiar. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And we, we actually don't start off this episode with Fat Gum um, in Red Riot, but we get to them very, very quickly. We start this episode off um, checking back in on uh, Amajiki. So um, he's he just laid waste to three of the bullets last time you and I spoke. Um, and that's we pick right back up. It's almost like a denouement, but it's like later in the next episode for some reason. I'm not sure why they didn't just build that into the last episode, but um, so it felt a little out of place, just a tad. Yeah, it was just, it felt like they cut off the last, you know, two minutes of the last episode. It wasn't even that long. No. I mean, it was, we were with Amajiki for less than, less than a minute for yeah. sure. Because it pretty much just shows him real quick, like really exhausted, pretty much almost about to pass out, saying that the neurotoxins are going through these bullets now and that they shouldn't be able to move and he takes their masks away and then he does pass out. <laughs> Yeah, and he says that he takes their masks away because he's not sure what's built into them, which I think was a reference back to one of them, like maybe Larceny had like a dagger hidden in his somehow. Yeah, I think so. Um, so that was, it's a cool little, uh, it's, it's smart, smart play on, I mean, we don't know what's under those masks. And so far, I think Larceny's the only one that showed that he did, but Amajiki's just playing it real safe, I guess. Well, and for all we know that those those masks could have some sort of like uh, laced drugs or something like that in them that they could take and power back up. So, yeah, I mean, smart move for sure. Yeah, and I think we had talked when we first kind of got into their distinctive mask shapes that doctors back when the Black Plague was going around, the bubonic plague, would stuff those noses full of like herbs and spices right. to try to dispel some of that smell. So, I mean, there's certainly a history of using those things as a place to hold other stuffs. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of a neat little nod to history, I guess, making, making use of some extra space on something that's up there at your base. Those masks are just creepy, too. I'd take them as well, just for that factor. Like, they I, are. And I think that they, they're used a lot for spooky imagery, like across other mediums, video games. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. You know, horror movies. That that mask is it is. It's creepy. I don't. I have no idea what those doctors were thinking back then. Yeah, they. Uh, me either. Because they're. I wouldn't want to be treated by somebody in a mask like that. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of creepy, man, we got mimicry over here, like crawling through the walls. And it in this episode, it was weird because I feel like when we were originally introduced to to him. He was like this little tiny guy, and he or yeah. he was like in a doll or something. And then we get these scenes in this episode where he's like a full-grown man, and he's just hiding in the walls. Yeah, I think I, I had kind of asked you last episode if it looked like he looked like All Might when he slipped into the wall. And he doesn't quite look like All Might, but in that very brief glimpse, I was like, well, he definitely ain't that little small fry like Smurf-shaped dude. Yeah, I get know, the feeling uh, he was inhabiting uh, like a doll or something. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. Maybe to mask his uh, real identity. I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure either. But yeah, he's in the walls, and it seems like he is trying to figure out where he wants to focus in on, like if he's going to take out the police or if he's going to take out the main party. And he's starting to stress because he knows that his power-up or that drug that they're using is going to be... It's it's going to be fading, fading out of its potency. Uh, and it, he's about to lose whatever advantage he's got. I love this too. This is a silly manga thing. But um, I think I had poked fun of this on my uh, Earth Nerd Adkins Twitter at some point that in mangas a lot, they say words with their eyes. And one of the phrases that people say with their eyes a lot in mangas are, is glare. And so there's a there's a image of Mimic's eye and it just says glare in a little balloon like it's actually speaking. <laughs> and it's such a strange like visual gag or trope, but I, I can't I can't not see it every time that it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he's just glaring at uh, the the three defeated bullets, and he's upset that they only managed to slow down um, only one of the heroes, Amajiki. And Amajiki just passes out. I mean, he's done. He's not catching back up with anybody. So he's lying face down um, on the floor in that same room. In fact, in the manga, he says he says something like, uh, "I didn't realize the f uh, floor was so close to my face. Why is the floor so close to, close to my face?" <laughs> um, oh, that's great. He doesn't realize how exhausted he is. I mean, I imagine that with his specific quirk, he like manifesting all of those like body parts and whatnot, it probably eats through energy like crazy. Yeah, no joke. I mean, think of it. It's hard to. I've been watching a lot of Naruto, and, and of course, this goes with Dragon Ball Z too. But th there's there's almost this this through line through a lot of these anime where you have a finite source of power, if you want to call it um, chakra, or if you want to call it ki, or whatever you know, stamina, whatever it is. 
um, that Amajiki just burned through his. And the more activity you do with whatever your power is, you know, the less the less you're going to have in reserves. Um, and typically, the way that it's shown in across pretty much all of these anime as well is once you're out, it's it's almost like you have no energy whatsoever. Like you just pass out or are knocked out. It's um, like your blood sugar drops. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what's gone on with him. But uh, we we catch back up with um, not not actually the main group yet. We we're, we catch up with uh, the centipede and Bubble Girl who have a handful of the Shie Hisaikai goons cronies. I mean, they're I guess not yeah, any they're, of the bullets. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. But these are like actual villains or not villains. They're they're the organized crime members. They're not like Overhaul and the rest of, of what we have already seen of the Chia Hesaikai. They're, they're more of like the traditional style Yakuza villains, you know? Because they're even talking about how like, you know, we, well, the only reason we protected this place was because Overhaul told us to, you know, and we got to follow what he's doing and they kind of go into the history of the Chia Hesaikai and I thought this was a pretty cool little scene here. Yeah, so tell us about it. Well, they, they end up saying that basically the old man, or we don't know his name yet, but he was the original leader, he got sick and so when this happened, Overhaul took over. And when Overhaul took over, he just started accepting all of these what they call villain scum. Uh, I mean, they don't seem like they really like these quirked heroes or, or villains. You know, they seem like they're more kind of like the original gangsters. They they want to do, I guess, drug smuggling and, and gun running and things like that. The, the high crimes. Are, whereas the villains want to just wreak havoc. And they don't like it at all. I mean, the, it seems like the only reason that they're really protecting this this place and overhaul is out of brotherhood, not necessarily because of want. Yeah, these two in particular seem to be, um, they, they seem to disprove of the way that overhaul has been running things since the boss has been incapacitated. Um, and one of them even, and I know it came through in the manga. I don't know if it came through in the anime because I didn't make a note about it. Uh, I kind of have this half note on it, but in the manga, one of them says, I'm damn sure that the one who messed up the old boss so bad that he can't talk no more was, and then the other guy cuts him off. Oh, no, I don't remember um, that. I feel like I would have noted that. I, I mean, in my notes from the anime, it says, even though he can't say anything, and I thought that he was just trying to cover up, that the other one shushed him because he was like, hey, we don't need them to know that the head of the snake, you know, has been incapacitated for whatever reason. Huh. Um, but in the manga, the the sentiment is radically different with the inclusion of, you know, I'm sure that the one who did that to him, you know, the implication seems to me to be that he would be fingering overhaul yeah. with that particular act as well. That's interesting. Yeah. A different, you know, a small difference, but a, a noteworthy one, one that I wanted to kind of bring up in, in discussion anyway. Well, we end up heading back into the building and this is where we sort of join back up with the main party. Mimic ends up, knocking or trying to knock Eraserhead out of the way because he, he knows that if Eraserhead catches him, he's done for. His his quirk should be taken out and he'll be useless. And he's doing everything he can to keep these people from catching up to uh, Lemillion. And uh, whenever he tries to knock Aizawa, basically he opens this hole, starts pushing him out, Fat Gum steps in the way and gets knocked out instead. And whenever this happens, he actually ends up bringing Red Riot with him. I mean, they, they get knocked into this like dark room, kind of like with the same room that like Amajiki was in, where it's just this siphoned off area. And when he stands up, you know, he was laying on top of Kirishima. And Kirishima was like, well, I tried to save Aizawa, but you kind of got in the way and I got stuck. So here we are. And they end up fighting. I don't know if these are, are these two more bullets? Because they didn't yes. identify themselves as bullets. They are. These, these, are uh, these are both members of the bullets, especially... According to the uh, the wiki, okay, um, you have Kendo Rappa and um, Hikeji Ten Guy. Uh, um, I like Rappa a lot. This is a cool villain. Yeah. So interesting thing. I'm looking again. I, I was kind of reviewing all this stuff before we started recording. I'm looking at the eight bullets now. All of them are C rank except for Kendo. Um, Rappa really? is listed as a B rank villain, which is on par with Overhaul um, and some of these other bigger names. Uh, and he's the only one of the bullets that has that higher ranking. And I'm, I suspect that it's because of his, his nature, like how yeah. aggressive he is. Um, which is, I mean, I, I guess that's appropriate. Um, it, it's, it's very, very interesting. He's definitely different. Um, and he feels, he feels kind of almost out of place as a member of the Hasai guy. I mean, he doesn't give two craps about overhaul really. He calls no. him over jerk. Um, 
and doesn't care for Tengai, actually tries to attack him here in just a second um, in, in the timeline of this particular episode. But uh, yeah, he's he is of a higher rank than anybody else on um, on the eight bullets. I mean, some of the other B rank villains that we've seen, like Magne was one, Moonfish was one. I'm surprised Mr. Magne Compress was a B rank villain. She's B ranked, and then there's a handful of A ranks inside of the Vanguard Action Squad or the um, uh, the League of Villains. Couple of A ranks, couple of S ranks. But yeah, he's he's the highest ranked of the bullets anyway. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm I I haven't looked at any of the like villain rankings, so this is news to me. Yeah, I haven't paid that much attention to him. It was just something that caught my eyes when mm-hmm. I was um, pulling the page up to to be ready to click on things if we needed to. That's so. awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, but Rappa, I mean, he comes out of nowhere, man, and just fist flying. And Red Riot stands up and tries to protect him, but when he does, he just tears apart Kirishima's arms. This poor guy, like. We just saw him level up kind of in a more recent episode. It was like two episodes ago, I think. And now all of a sudden he's just getting wrecked. I mean, his arms are like falling apart and stuff. It looked it looked pretty pretty nasty. And uh, it wasn't just that he got punched while hardened and it broke some of his skin plating or whatever you want to call it, but he he did his super move. He did unbreakable and right. got shattered in that. Yeah. That's what really th- messes with his mind for most of the rest of this episode. Yeah, he is in a super delicate spot at the end of this attack. Uh, Fat Gum steps in, though, and he starts trying to kind of take some of that, and whenever he goes to punch Rappa, Force Field comes around him, and it's this 10 guy. He is able to produce force fields as far as i can tell that's all he can do but they're like steel i mean fat gum can't get through them at all uh kirishima's like up against the wall and he's just totally mentally broken and physically i mean you can see in the scene he's like his arms are falling apart uh it's pretty gruesome looking really because you gotta wonder like is that his skin or bones or what you know i was trying to sort out the anatomy of how his power works in this episode because i mean he hardens his skin to the to the best of my knowledge or understanding of his quirk, but then pieces of it are falling off here. And then later on, I think in the next episode, they're in the infirmary and they, they have him wrapped up. And the, the reason that they say that they have him wrapped up is so that it would stop the bleeding. Um, and it's like most of his chest and forearms is, is all wrapped up, but his face also got gets jacked up at the end of this episode. Yeah. So it makes I'm me wonder, sure. like, you know how almost every quirk, there's some sort of like biological reasoning behind it. It makes me think that maybe he can grow his skin really quickly. That could be like it's layers of skin almost. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. There's kind of like a, there's an X-Man named Husk who could do mm-hmm. a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Husk kind of shed her skin. And, and get it to grow back. I'm looking up his quirk real quick, just the wording of his quirk to see if it if it says anything. It says it gives him the power to harden and sharpen any or all parts of his body. Um, there is a limit to how much damage the hardened skin can withstand, huh. um, which causes the hardening itself to slowly dissipate. So, I mean, it sounds like it's a skin thing primarily, but maybe not exclusively, just based on the way that they said um, any or all parts of his body. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's but yeah. That, it's that's interesting. It's visually, it's 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 a little graphic. I mean, it's yeah. very visceral. <laughs> like yeah, watching I mean, parts of him fall off. If we're gonna go with he doesn't grow extra layers of skin, then it was just his skin falling off the bones and muscle and tendons. It was pretty nasty. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but whenever you know this force field comes up, <laughs> Rappa gets pissed off. He's like, "Come on, man! Like I don't want this. We're having a fight here. Like we're having fun. Take these down." And that's when Guy is kind of like, dude, come on, chill. Like, Overhaul put us together for a reason. We have to win this. It's not about you having a good time. It's about us winning. And so Rappa starts fighting him. He starts trying to get through his force field and, and knocking him out. This guy is just unchained. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned seeing uh, Red Riot kind of level up in, in a prior episode. And I think that that's an important, almost like, background uh, piece of information for this particular episode because last time we saw him go unbreakable it was incredible and he withstood like a literal like fire hose of swords and was totally fine unscathed and now one punch and his arms are falling off and he's made this giant indentation but beyond just what this what this establishes about Kirishima and the unbreakable it also does a lot to showcase fat gum himself because one punch did this to Kirishima and Fat Gum gets a hundred times that, several hundred times that probably in, over the course of this episode, which speaks a lot to his quirk and his own um, 
kind of durability. Yeah, I mean, this is a really neat episode just because we get to kind of deep dive into Fat Gum's quirk. We don't get like a pop-up like we normally do. I think that happened a couple episodes back, but I don't feel like it fully explained his quirk because I didn't fully realize what all he could do. But I mean, he's sitting there just taking punches and we get a shot from Kirishima's angle and you can literally see Rappa's fists coming through his skin. Like you can see the impacts going out his back. So you know he's just... my, My notes for this fight was... Fat Gum's getting wrecked protecting Kirishima while Kirishima has an existential crisis because he's like up against this wall just freaking out, like having all these flashbacks. And, and we'll dive into these, but talking about kind of how he's like, oh, well, here I am again, not able to move in a situation where a hero should be able to. Yeah, I really like it too. He he asks himself at one point, like, what do I have when when I don't have my hardening? And this was a question that you and I had discussed at some length recently with the uh, introduction of those quirk stealing bullets is will part of their training be, uh, you know, applying themselves in a way apart from their quirk now that they aren't necessarily to be a hundred percent assured or assumed in every single battle that, that they have. Um, and now you have Kirishima in a position where he might not be without his quirk, but his quirk is, is not, sufficient at least at this point like he feels like that one punch is to- it it shattered not just his forearms but his confidence in himself um and we see him regain some of that or or possibly not even regain it uh in fact i would i'm going to take that back he doesn't regain confidence um he just kind of does away with any any you know, grasp on self-preservation in this moment. I think that's a better way to phrase um, what what he does here shortly in this episode, or possibly early on in the next. I don't know. The timeline kind of blurs together. I know these two. I think it's in this episode where he he gets back in the fight a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely is because he's sitting there and he has he kind of has his flashback, which flashbacks in shows like this always crack me up because I I know when I'm watching them that it's not taking place in the fight. Like he's not just sitting there thinking about this thing that happened and you know. Like, we're going to spend five minutes of just me, Kirishima, thinking about my past, and then we'll get back <laughs> into the fight. But, you know, right. it's just a quick play in his head. But to us, we get this pretty decent, I mean, it's a majority of the episode almost, where we're seeing old Kirishima, well, old, young Kirishima, uh, and he is at, I believe it was Mustafa Private School, so another yep. Star Wars reference, Yep, which, pretty neat. Uh, but he's got this scene where some bullies are picking on this little kid that I, he looked like an animal. Uh, it was another animal quirk, I think. But he can also turn leaves into money, I guess, which would yeah. be like kind of a neat quirk to have. I think he mentions that they don't stay in money form very long. Uh, but these bullies are picking on him. They want some money out of this kid. And Kirishima tries to come and save the day. And one of the bullies is like, ah, he's not that powerful and throws a rock at him and just totally stops him like dead in tracks. And at this point, Mina shows up after the bullies have run off with this kid and she's able to like defuse the situation and ends up breakdancing with them and they're all friends afterwards. And the, I kind of felt... Which is super crazy. It is weird, yeah. I don't, I don't know how that all went down. I almost would love to see that scene from her perspective. Uh, but Kirishima's standing there with a couple of his buddies and they're like, man, why are you even trying? Like, you're not going to be a hero. Like, she's, she's A-grade hero material. You're kind of not, you know? And he, he makes the mention that just like Crimson Riot, all you have to do is have good heart, I guess. He, he keeps talking about Crimson Riot and having, is it chivalrous heart, I think he says? Yeah, chivalrous heart. And that will make him a hero. Uh, but in this case, maybe not so much. You know, I mean, he doesn't really know exactly what that means yet. We continue to see there's a scene where he's like walking home and there's this giant villain. I would love to know more about this villain because he looked really crazy. And he's interrogating some like schoolgirls on where a specific hero agency is. And he has that moment where he's like, I need to step in and help. But he doesn't feel like he can. He, he's frozen in place. And yet again, Mina comes in and she's able to tell the villain you know, what he wants. And the villain leaves and she saved the schoolgirls. So he's, he's kind of sitting there like, okay, there's someone out there that obviously is able to do what I want. Why can I not do it? Why do I not have the, the strength to go into battle when I'm needed? And he's hanging out in his home, and he, he's kind of doubting even becoming a hero. I think he's got his application to UA there, and he's like scratching out all of the information he's put in. And he throws this book, and when he does, it hits the, the bookcase, and like this little, it's kind of neat looking, like a little hologram comes out. And I guess it was part of the book itself, and it's Crimson Riot, and he's being interviewed. 
And he's mentioning that, you know, like, of course he's terrified when he runs into battle, you know, and he says something along the lines of like, show me someone that's not terrified when they're running into a battle where they could possibly die and I'll show you an idiot. And he's getting kind of reinvigorated. He's like, all right, you know, I can do this. And so he starts training and he dyes his hair, which I think, you know, helps him out somehow. He's got that massive red hair now because in the, the back, the flashback, he's got completely jet black hair, which was disconcerting to see. Like, it, it kind of threw me off visually the whole time. Yeah, it didn't feel like Kirishima, just because I know him by that red hair. But right. I think part of that is just him remembering that his friends were saying that Mina has that aesthetic that people like. She's rememberable. And I think it proved the point. Kirishima with jet black hair, not super memorable. He doesn't really, like, stand out, you know? But with the red hair, we know him as Red Riot. Right. Yeah, and he he has a couple of really interesting, like, interactions with himself and and like in response to seeing this hollow one of the things that we learned too just before i get back to that hollow and before i forget is that he had heard about the sludge monster incident with bakugo in in midoriya um and so in the in the manga he says this spring some kid my age became the talk of the town for fighting back against this really powerful villain and his was the only name that made the papers, but according to eyewitnesses, just before All Might showed up, another middle schooler, a friend of his, maybe jumped into action. So we know that, like, you know, that he was aware that there were kids his age that were already making making waves, and that kind of weighs upon him some more, and, and that's kind of what leads to him frustratingly throwing this book across the room, and it's really cool, too, because he, he mentions in response to that interview with Crimson Riot, he's... He says something like, oh, I, I thought that he was cool because he rushed in. Um, but he, he's realizing that it isn't just that he rushes in. It's why he rushes in that makes him cool. And, right. that's, and, that, and that that is the stuff that matters. And he even has like a poster on his wall that says, you know, if you don't have chivalry, if you have chivalry in your heart, then even you can be a hero. And this is kind of this mantra that is on his brain. It's come out of his mouth already. Um, as you mentioned back when he was defending the teddy bear looking kid that could change stuff into money. Um, so it's, it's kind of this, it's almost like his, he's trying so hard to emulate, uh, crimson, crimson riot. Um, not just aesthetically, but from this place of motivation and he's, he reclaims that in this flashback. That's, that's what the, the, the point of this flashback was, the primary point of it anyway, it wasn't just so that we could get a little bit more back, backstory on Kirishima. This is a visual representation of him kind of remembering why he is where he is in the midst of what you appropriately called an existential crisis. Why am I here? What am I doing? This is why I'm here. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and he kind of mentally and spiritually regains that um, in in what we are treated to as a flashback scene, but like you mentioned, probably happened in a split second of recollection in his mind. Right, right. And it's very similar to Midoriya and All Might. I mean, it feels a lot like Midoriya and All Might. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some similarities between the two. I mean, it's in a culture full of heroes, there's going to be idolatry. Yes, um, absolutely. And, I mean, in, in our culture, without actual heroes running around with quirks or superpowers and tights, we still have um, high degrees of idolatry where we look to people um, in pop culture or in um, certain media and try to emulate them because of who they are and what they represent and what they're capable of doing. Um, And so how much more so is that going to be the case in a world actually populated by super beings where again, it's, their world is not so different from ours in the sense that every kid wants to be a superhero at some point, every kid. And for these kids, they actually have the chance, not just to just have a quirk because that's genetic lottery to a degree, um, but also to develop that quirk in a way that they can get to a place where they too are hero, uh, are a hero and where they too can be emulated and I, and um, idolized. And um, I don't know that that's, I don't, I'm not willing to say that that's what Kirishima is going for. He's not looking to be idolized. No, I don't think so. He, 
he is looking to live up to his idol. And those are two very, very different things. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And he does exactly that whenever he gets back into this fight. I mean, it's pretty incredible because we just saw him get wrecked like hard. And he's sitting there and he's watching Fat Gum get destroyed. And this whole time we learned that Fat Gum has actually been storing any kind of the kinetic energy coming out of Rappa from those punches in his body. So he's getting ready to, you know, try and just lay the smack down on Rappa. And Rappa comes in for this last assault and Fat Gum's freaking out because he's like, okay, I don't have time to react and actually hit this guy with all the power that I've saved up. He's going to hit me first. And Kirishima steps in front of him. So he puts back on the unbreakable mode and he's able to kind of stand there and he takes it. I mean, he, he still looks like he's losing chunks of skin, but he's not cowering down. He's not backing down from Rappa. And so he doesn't see that coming and Fat Gum's able to come around the corner and just absolutely wreck Rappa and Tange all at once. It was it's incredible. Yeah, and he he loses all of his fat. Yeah. The way that he describes it is like his the energy stored in his fat is what absorbs um any blows that are directed towards him. And so after he absorbed all of these blows from Rappa, he had collected this energy into his right hand, but he had lost all of that fat barrier, which I guess now he has to build back up i would think so um, i don't know i love this quirk though it's it is now one of my favorites the idea of is. like walking around with all this fat that's basically shield and then being able to turn it into something like that it was really cool looking yeah and he says at one point that if you if you think that all i am is a shield then that that's a fatal mistake yeah you know, like um I, i've i've he's turns himself into a sp- uh, into a spear which i like it's he's not one dimensional he isn't just um you know, a bullet shield. Right. He's something much more dangerous, and he sh- he proves that. I mean, definitively here, which is really really cool. And part of Kirishima's whole thing, and and we find out too that Fat Gum kind of knows about Kirishima's uh, idol idolization of Crimson Riot, and he jumps in front of Fat Gum to try to deter, I guess, or or distract Rappa for just a second long enough for Fat Gum to kind of build all this energy up into his right hand. And he does it because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to ever do anything that he wouldn't regret ever again. And he would regret, he would regret just staying in that crater of the wall, you know, behind Fat Gum out of this fight. So he jumps in front of Fat Gum to do whatever it is that he can, even at great cost to himself, which is, that's part of what it means to be a hero. Um, that's part of this working definition that the show seems to, uh, seems to really be, um, hitting quite hard um, with with these, I mean, teenagers, I mean, again, right? right. It's, it's these kids learning what, what hero, heroism actually is and what it looks like and what it costs in particular. Right, and I guess he kind of gets this whole regret thing, not only from his past experiences, but also from Crimson Riot. Whenever Crimson Riot is being interviewed, uh, one of the, the interviewer asks him something about, I guess, a past experience. Like, you know, you're a big hero now, uh, and how does that change since you were a sidekick? And he, he mentions that when he was a sidekick, someone died because he didn't step up. And he's like, you know, I'll never do that again. I will always get in the way, even if it means taking my own life. Right. Yeah, he says that, you know, it's it's one thing to be afraid of villains and death. But the thing that he's he's most afraid of is seeing the like the look in somebody's eyes, that last expression of somebody dying and the pain of being unable to save them. And so, you know, again, it's it's all of this stuff is visually and narratively uh, displayed for us and, and outlined and fleshed out for us that that has happened, crossed Kirishima's mind at this split moment because he needed to recall it. He needed to regain it. And something earlier on, I think, Fat Gum looks at him right after he takes that big hit from Rappa and it's just like, you can't let them break your will. Like in a, in a fight like this, it's us trying to wear down their will without losing our own. Yep. So you, you've got to stand back up. And it takes Kirishima a little while um, in, in, in episode time, but probably less than, less than a minute, I would guess, to kind of, you know, collect himself back up and um, have all of these, these memories provide for him this motivation that he, he was threatening to be completely devoid of um, in the face of defeat, in the face of, again, his, his super move and his... Uh, you know, his level up, like you called it earlier. Um, I don't remember exactly how he phrases it. Like Kirishima talks about how he had improved, I think might have been what he talked about. That he had gotten, he'd come so far and felt like he had improved, but then One Punch undoes all of that. And all of these 
memories of Crimson Riot um, kind of get him back again to this headspace of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a hero like him. This is the kind of hero he is. Therefore, this is the kind of hero I must be. And we, we get that very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so it's, re- it's really well done. It was. It was. Um, you make a mention of the fight probably being a little bit quicker, you know, in episode than what it feels like to us. And it's something I've always wanted in any anime, really. But I would love it in this scene in particular is how long has the infiltration been going on now? Because, you know, it's spanned at least four episodes for us. So it feels like it's probably, what, 30, 45 minutes but in reality, I'm willing to bet that they probably just hit the GSI guy like 10 minutes ago. Like all this is probably going down way faster than what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, a lot of when you're trying to keep track of so many different narratives going on at like simultaneously, you have to do um, I've used this word before on the podcast before it's recapitulation. And sometimes they tell you like in the next episode, they kind of go backwards in time right. and then catch back up and go backwards. Sometimes it's that is narratively clumsy if you do that all the time, where you say, you know, you finish the fight with Amajiki and then you're like, five minutes ago, while Amajiki was fighting, this is this is what uh, Aizawa and the crew were up to. You know, you can't keep that's just very clunky. It is clunky. Yeah. But it's still like what I would really love to see is a, a timer, though, like a countdown in the show. Just a small one, like up in the top left hand corner. You know, this <laughs> is what how, how long it's actually been. That would be kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this is where episode seventy two ends. Um, it ends with Fat Gum uh, punching these two bullets and exclaiming that the reason why they lost is because not only had they underestimated Red Riot, um, but Fat Gum admits that he he had himself, um, and he sees he sees in Red Riot this this hero again. And what's even cooler is at the beginning of episode seventy three, which is called the Temp Squad. Um, he you get to hear Rappa kind of speak some recognition over red riot yeah it was really well. cool it was really cool yeah but and it's especially cool because again like we were just talking about how awesome it was to see the unbreakable form a couple episodes ago and having the, we talked about having the crowd speak words of recognition to red riot right um you know they 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 saw what he could do they praise him publicly he hears all that and he gets it again in this episode or episode 73, really, both from Fat Gum, his mentor, um, who he's looking up to more and more all the time, uh, and also even from an enemy, which I think is a really cool kind of fold. In fact, the, the beginning of episode 73 is some of my favorite stuff. Um, yeah. The scene with Rappa and um, Fat Gum and Kirishima in the infirmary, I loved this whole scene in concept. So let's talk about it. Yeah, let's go ahead and just dive right into 73. You know, we get this quick scene with Overhaul. He's walking with Corono and Eerie, uh, and he's discussing about how, like, it's funny because Corono has kind of got this sense that this is going to be the end of the clan. He's like, all right, the Chia Saika has got to be over. And Overhaul's like, man, don't worry. As long as I got this serum and this product, we can get investors. I can start all this stuff right back up. And he's talking, I guess, about this, like, quirk-killing serum that he's got. It sounds like he's got quite a bit of it stored up. Yeah, he. I mean, he's holding it in one hand, so it's not like he's got bats and vats of it. But I think his point is, as long as we have a drop of this, we can replicate it. Right. Or as long as we know what the process is, we can duplicate it. One of those two things. Right. Um, and they also have Aerie, who's a significant part of whatever this process might be. Um, and he, he mentions, too, that this all this commotion that's going on behind him... Um, this big conflict with the heroes is actually going to work out in their favor narratively inside of the villain villainous community because they're going to be able to spin this not necessarily as, oh, we got beat up by the bad guys because clearly some of them are going to get away, presumably scot-free, at least it looks that way right now. Um, but also that it's it's these heroes are so afraid of what we have to offer you that they were willing to come after us for it. Like, it's a big deal. Right, because it seems like up to this point, the heroes have been very reactionary. So for the first time, we're seeing them be the ones that are the aggressors. And I think that's like a, it's like an S rank, you know, on a report card. Like, if he goes out to talk to other villains, that's this is like bragging rights. Yeah, and they, and they don't, speaking of S-Ranks, you know, it's not a bunch of chump heroes that they have running around in the Hisaikai com- uh, compound. No, I mean, no, these, not at all. So, some of them are. Some of them are those regional heroes. Um, but then you also have folks like uh, Aizawa want, running around in there. And, you know, the, these are these are big names. I mean, these are the folks that are that are being targeted. Like, And I wanted, imagine 
how do you think that that, just as a sidetrack real quick, because I had this in my notes and I totally forgot to mention it, but so Mimic tries to push Aizawa initially down to, presumably he would have ended up in the same spot that Fat Gum and Kirishima did, right? So yeah, down but- there with Rappa and... And ten guy, I would think so, but it seems like that would have been a dumb move because Aizawa would have been able to keep the shields from happening, and he probably would have been able to take Rapa down pretty quick. Yeah, I wondered how that fight would go because he could only neutralize one at a time. If he didn't neutralize the shields, he wouldn't be able to do much. But um, if he if he neutralized the shield, Rapa was a handful, man. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I mean, Rapa was a handful, but I feel like Aizawa would be able to bound him up pretty quick with that like weird uh, handkerchief that he carries. That's not a handkerchief; it's a uh, scarf. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a scarf. <laughs> but I wonder if Mimic thought like legitimately. I think that these two are perfectly suited for Aizawa, right? Um, and they another thing too, like that gun when he's down there, he he mentions that the whatever dossier or files that they read to get ready for this particular um, invasion did not include any information on these two bullets. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I kind of assume that was Mimic going, okay, out of all of these heroes, this is the one that can stop me immediately if he catches me. Yeah. That, it didn't oh, seem more along the lines of like, oh, these guys can take out Aizawa as much as I need to get rid of the one guy that can actually hurt me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I definitely think that there was that was a big part of the the strategy, but I was just wondering if another part of that was I'm going to funnel them to these two dudes because I think their combination, I think they even Ten Guy and uh, and Rappa, one of the two of them, uh, even say like our combination of quirks is really hard to beat. Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, um, look at it. It's you know you've got this guy that can't be hit and he can just destroy you in a few hits. I mean, it was pretty. It's a definitely a good combo. Yeah. I mean, imagine if the two, if Rappa and Tengai weren't at odds with one another quite as they were, like if they cooperated more, it would have been, it would have been a much different fight. Oh yeah, absolutely. But all because of who Rappa is, which we're going to get into, it's going to keep them from ever working well together. Uh, Definitely. And let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Before we do, we just have to make a quick mention that Overhaul pulls in what he calls the Temp Squad. And he's telling them, like, all right, you two get prepared. It's your turn. And it's Toga and Twice, which I didn't expect to see the League of Villains down there. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I was a little shocked by their presence, too. But we also find out a little bit later that it's, it's not that the League of Villains are spread out through this hideout as well. Right, um, right. It's just that a couple of them had been tapped to become officially members of the the Shiei Hisaikai for for lack of better terms I mean even Toga I think at some play at some point gets accused of being a part of the League of Villains I think by Aizawa and she's just like nope I'm part of the or maybe it was Rocklock but I mean she's just like nope I'm part of the Yakuza now yeah you know? yeah um, but it doesn't so seem it's like, like it's like they made a trade it, but they didn't trade personnel at all no they didn't trade personnel it was, it was just like overhaul grabbed a couple from Shigaraki but even then it seems like Shigaraki's got something up his sleeves Oh, yeah. So, anyways. Oh, yeah. 100%. We get back to Rappa and Red Riot and Fat Gum and, of course, Tangai. Tangai? Tangai, yeah. And uh, they're standing there, and Rappa gets back up, and he's like, all right, man, let's do this again. And his arms are, like, dangling, like they're totally broken. And he's like, I'm ready to, let's, like, we got to fight. Like, neither of us died, so what, are you guys ready? Let's go. Yeah. And then, you know, Fat Gum is like, what are you talking about it? And Rappa's like, oh, you don't want to fight right now because you're hurt. I get it. There's a room over here. Let's go take some sensu beans. We're going to heal up, and then let's fight again. I mean, this guy's yeah. like, he's ready to throw down. And uh, it, it had me cracking up because he's like, you guys are freaking awesome. I want to fight you. Like, no one died. This is a draw. And this is when he's really giving Red Riot the recognition because he says, like, all right, fat, get your kid and let's go. And he's like, you know what? He's not a kid. I'm wrong. He's a man. And yeah. I thought that was really cool. I mean, it's it's one thing when the public recognizes you. It's another when your mentor recognizes you. But when the people that hate you recognizes you, that means you're doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's cool because Rappa is just like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna get you guys back to full health, and we're gonna do this again to the death. That's the point. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, and that guy is just like, this this is a trap. And Rappa just goes, do I look like the cunning type? And like, no, you don't. Yeah. You're he is one hundred percent the the run in and punch things type. He's not a, the set of trap and spring it type. In the English version, he he says the same thing, but he, he instead it's something along the lines of like, Do I look like the kind to set traps? And I mean the way he says it is totally like, You idiot, come on, I just want to hit your face. <laughs> yeah. And then Ten Guy starts to try to reel Rappa back in, because apparently that's what his that's why he was paired with him. 
uh, and then Rapid just like steps on his throat. Yeah. And it's just like, shut, you can't even form up a shield, so sh- shut up yeah. and just lie there. I'm going to go do this thing on my own. Right. And, uh, and his arms are broken, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, this was a crazy scene. Yeah, it was very cool. I really like Rapid. I do, too. Um, I hate that he's a villain. Yeah. He he could be such a... He's a very interesting villain. He could be such a great hero, though. Like, if he had just a little bit of an attitude change, he would be an awesome hero. He'd be contender well, for All Might, I think. I think Fat Gum sees some of that too, because in the infirmary he starts asking, like, you know, why why are you hanging around with these people? Yeah. You know, I, I think that he sees something inside of Rappa that he appreciates, or maybe he sees an opportunity because of this 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 healing moment that they get, you know, um, to to try to spin it such that, you know, maybe he brings Rappa a little bit closer to the the, the light side to use some Star Wars terminology. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Rappa's, he, he's definitely, well, and he, his, his MO is what is the only reason why he's a part of the Shia Hisaika. He goes on to explain that the only reason that I'm with these guys is because overall's the only one that's ever beat me. Um, and he's beat me five more times since then. And I'm here until I beat him. So that's his, that's his connection. That's the th- thin thread that's keeping him as a part. And that's part of why, again, he was button heads with 10 guy earlier. He's just like, I didn't ask to be on your team. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's um, even goes more than just beating him in a fight though, because he specifically says that he died. I mean, yeah. it sounds like overhaul is literally like killing this guy. And then I guess using his quirk to put him back together and bring him back to life. Yep. So, I mean, that kind of makes me go, well, maybe Magnate will come back, you know, and maybe over, or not overhaul, but uh, um, Mr. Compress's arm will come back. It sounds like overhaul has the ability to do some pretty miraculous stuff. Yeah, I would think that abil- that ability has to be matched with the desire. I think he sees in Rappa a tool that he doesn't see in Magne or Compress. Sure, so sure. I doubt that I doubt we're going to see any regeneration in them, but he sees utility in Rappa. And so... And he also isn't threatened by rap, I don't no, think. No, I don't think and Overhaul why, feels threatened by anybody. Yeah, th- I think that's why they, the two of them have fought at least five times, because Overhaul's just like, all right, this thing again, okay, this is what's <laughs> keeping you around, come at me, bro. Sure. And I'll, tur- I'll, tur- I'll vaporize you again, put you back together, and we can try it again later. You know? Right, right. Well, and what's great about this, too, is like Rappa's kind of explaining all this to him, and Tenkai is like, come on, man, don't say anything, and he just goes right into it and starts telling you know, Fat Gum and, and Kirishima everything he knows about everything. Yeah, yeah. He to- I have in my notes that Rappa spills the beans. Yeah. He's, a, he's like, he's trying to bring the Yakuza back into power, and he doesn't know all the details, but he overhauls getting ready to distribute a huge load of something. Uh, he doesn't even really know what it is. They're just I mean, like he, waiting on cash. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not on the inner circle, and that's, that much is clear, but he knows enough. He knows, he knows a tantalizing little bit that Fat Gum has totally eaten this up, and plus... I think Fat Gum is smart enough to put a couple things together here that the thing that he's trying to distribute is the drug that they're all worried about um, and that they just need that cash flow in order to really get this operation off the ground. Uh, and so, yeah, Rappa is just like, Man, I don't care. Again, his he does not have any loyalty to the Shia Hisaikai or to Overhaul. I mean, he's he's calls him over jerk and keeps getting corrected by Tengai. No, it's Master Overhaul. And Rappa has... No time for that. No. Because that's not that's not how he perceives overhaul. Well and his his big thing is is that, you know, he was like, Look, I was in the MMA for a long time. All these guys would come to fight me and I'd hit them with one punch and they'd be knocked out. And he's like, Do you know how unsatisfying it is to be in fight after fight and never feel challenged? You guys are Ooh. the first people that have come around that have ever challenged me. So let's heal up and let's get back in the ring. I mean, he's he really wants just a good fight. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, he's He's received a challenge also from Overhaul, but it's different. It's not a, it's almost like a pride thing, I think, between him and Overhaul, where he, his pride is, uh, like, I, I should win. I want to win, right? And for this other fight with Kirishima and Fat Gum, it's more of a, this is fun, Right, this is thrilling. Well, it's physically challenging, um, I would imagine, because it seemed like yeah. the fight we saw between him and Overhaul. Overhaul snaps his fingers, Rappa's dead, and then Rappa's back alive. There's no real fight, yeah. but with Fat Gum and Kirishima, he's got like a real fight. I mean, this is actually they are throwing blows at each other, and he's having to duck and dodge and and throw punches back and be on the lookout. It's it's 
physically challenging, but it's also mentally challenging for him as well, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's I'm, I'm saying that he's he's experienced a, a, a draw or defeat between these two, but he views the combatants in both fights very differently. Right, totally, totally. And all, while all this is going on, we've got Mimic in the background who has decided that Mirio isn't a threat at all, I guess, and he's going to try and focus on Night Eye's group. So he's basically you know, throwing up these walls and he's trying to make everybody dizzy again. And this is when Rocklock kind of shows off a little bit. It doesn't make me like him anymore, but he uses a lockdown power to keep the walls from moving, which yeah, I guess that's, that's nice. Uh, I, I have in my notes, I said, Rocklock finally does a thing. Yeah, it does something other than chastise everybody else around him. Oh, he's still doing that, though. He's blaming Night Eye for this the whole scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just like, it's your fault we're in here, blah, 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 blah. So he's still whining. He's he's still very much in character. But the other thing that drove me nuts that actually is a little notch in Rocklock's favor is he explains, I am at the limit of my power when he's locked down these walls that Mimic is trying to like squeeze, basically crush them all with. He's like, all right, I'm at the extent of my power. And everybody just is casually strolling through like it's not, they, they're not in a rush at all. I'm like, he just said he's at the limit of his power. Why are you guys just waltzing through like there's not a rush to this whatsoever? See, it's I, frustrating. I assumed he was having to like continuously lock down like every five feet. That's the reason uh, I figured they were taking their time. Otherwise, I figured he would have locked it once and they would have just booked it. But it's He wasn't moving, though. He was stationary. Was he? I thought he was moving with them. So I thought it was like like trap finding in D&D. You know how you have to like search for traps every 15 feet or something like that? Like I, I assumed it was something like every couple of feet he was having to lock down that wall, too. But who knows? I mean, it maybe they're just ignoring Rock Lock like we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the manga, it says... Don't complain about the tight quarters. At maximum security level, my lockdown can't cover too many spots at once. This is the limit of my range. And so he had locked down a significant portion huh, okay. of that hallway. And then in the anime, the people are just like walking like they're walking through a mall. Yeah, like, like nonchalantly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Show a little bit of urgency, please, for Rock Lock's sake. Yeah. Well, Mimic um, is like throwing walls at them, too. And Midoriya's having to smash them down. So... There's a little bit more going on up ahead, it seemed like, where because they're not all like huddled right together. They're kind of separated apart just a little bit. Yeah, and this, I think Mimic takes full advantage of that because he separates, he separates uh, the crew um, with some walls. And so like Aizawa grabs Midoriya and they get blocked off together. Rocklock is by himself because everybody, I think, was ahead of him. And then you get the police and Night Eyes um together who else was with them was there somebody else with the police and night eyes or was I it think just it was them? just the police and night eye okay yeah um and as soon as they did this as soon as they separated folks off i have in my notes they separated them so toga could do her thing yep. because toga's power doesn't work in the midst of combat when everybody's looking at her um so she i was like 100 this is where toga and twice come in and i was right so to- toga comes onto the scene and does this like frontal assault on Rocklock, um, who totally owns her at like, first? For the, yeah, yeah, it's really cool too. Like he turns when she's jumping at him with a blade, and he just allows it to pierce through his hand, and he locks it down, and then he goes to like knee her, but it it it's one of Twice's dupes of Toga, so it turns into that mud that we saw Dobby turn into a while uh-huh. ago, uh, and then Toga comes at him from behind, stabs him like up under the ribs. Um, and then of course, now that she's got his blood, uh, she can become rock lock. Right. And Eraserhead and Midoriya are together. Midoriya knocks down one of the walls and they see rock lock standing there and a rock lock on the ground. And you know, freaking Midoriya, he should have known from the get go that this was a copy of rock lock or that it was a clone or something because, you know, he's like, Oh my gosh, rock lock, you've been stabbed. And the rock lock that's standing is like, Oh yeah, this is a copy. I had to take him down. How are you doing buddy? And he's like really nice to Midoriya. And he <laughs> hasn't been nice to Midoriya period. And it still takes Midoriya and Aizawa all of like probably 30 seconds to a minute to realize that this is Toga. And the moment that they do, it's like Toga gets all excited again to see Midoriya. It's really freaky. Uh, and I still can't tell if she's naked or if she's wearing a skin suit. Like she's, nope. it's really freaky. She's naked. You think so? And I don't think it, yeah. I don't think it took that long for Aizawa to figure it out either because he bends over the body and he's like, a knife wound? And he would know that Rocklock has never once showed a blade. Yeah. Like he doesn't, that's not part of his kit. Right, right. Right? So he, he's, he immediately is just like, what the heck? Rocklock doesn't have knives, use knives, whatever. Uh, and so he immediately turns around as Rocklock, as 
Toga slash Rocklock is making his slash her way towards Midoriya, cancels the quirk, so then the, the dupe Lakit Enis melts off of her, and yeah, she's 100% naked, but it's covered up by Izawa's little bindings, like he shoots them around her, uh, and then throws her up against a wall. Um, but yeah, she's naked. There's no skin suit. Okay, here. I couldn't tell. I don't. I, don't, I feel like there might have been. Like, uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I guess you're right. So she ends up stabbing Eraserhead too. Like she's she's wrapped up in his stuff and flips around him and stabs him. So now she's got his blood. Well, I think the knife gets left behind and Midoriya picks it up. Or, yeah, there or... is a knife left behind, but I would imagine she was able to get a little bit. Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't sure. I thought that Aizawa had um, like kept her from getting had... any. Yeah, like purpose purposefully snatched up that knife so that she wouldn't have his blood. But I mean, I guess if a drop of it got on her, like when he removed the knife or when she actually did the stabbing, it might be enough. It doesn't seem like she needs much. So yeah, I don't think so. Either. Um, but she gets walled off immediately. Like whatever it was that she was supposed to do or whatever she either did or failed at, and so mimic like blocks her off immediately right. from Aizawa and Midoriya. And then this is when we get a flashback to Overhaul and Shigaraki. And they're playing a game of Shogi. Overhaul is specifically asking Shigaraki for a couple of his members. Like, all right, you know, if you're in on this, I've told you my full plan. Uh, we're going to need some folks, you know, to help us out from you. And he, he, I can't remember the third person, but I know he asked for Toga and twice. And I feel like there was another yes, for one. Kuro, Kuro yes, for Kuro right. Giri as well. Yeah. And uh, this is when Twice and Rappa come out of the wall. I mean, they just break down the wall and they start fighting with Night Eye. And I kind of assumed that this was a copy of Rappa the moment that we saw him because we know he's in the infirmary. Uh, but right. Night Eye was able to take down this copy like immediately. It was so cool because I, I guess he reads his, you know, fortune or future. I don't know because he didn't make contact with him initially. But I thought he was doing the weird like like he was touching his forehead like he was about to do the quirk. I feel like he, he always like adjusts his glasses right before he does it. But you remember his requires physical contact and and eye, eye. lock. That's yeah. true. So maybe he didn't, but I mean, he was able to take down Rapa without even really a hit. I mean, he he's able to like kind of hit his jacket a little bit, but that's it. And then the moment that he does, he throws these like five kilogram uh, dumbbells, like they're miniature dumbbells on them, and it throws Rapa into the wall. And he throws. It's not. Are, they're not dumbbells. What are they? They're his seals. Oh, you remember this thing that he was tapping? Yeah, tap, yeah, tap, yeah, tap, yeah. Tap, tap, tap. I didn't realize those that's were what those seals. Are. Yeah, he says that his. That's his hero equipment are five kilogram, which is about 11 pounds, right. but they're just seals. That's all that they are. His, his equipment are his little stuff. I didn't realize that. I thought they looked like little dumbbells. <laughs> I yeah. was like, those are he cute. Was, they I have to be like specially made. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're, I mean, he went to, uh, what's his face and got a made. Uh, grave uh, digger or. Yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. Not grave digger, but something like that. Over overloader. Power, Power loader. loader, I think that's what it is. Yeah, we got there. It, it took us a while, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen him in a while. Cut us some. Cut us exactly. Some <laughs> yeah. So it, and then he he throws more of those seals at twice, and twice has like a meltdown because it rips his mask, and so mimic throws up a wall real quick. But twice is having this like total psychic break where he's just like, oh god, I'm falling apart. What am I gonna do? Like this can't happen right now. Uh, and we we transition back over to another flashback where Shigaraki is with the League of Villains, and he's telling them like, "All right, Twice Toga, you guys are going to be Yakuza now. Uh, I need you guys to to go in and do some work with them." And Twice hates this because he's like, first of all, I'm the guy that brought Overhaul in here and messed everything up, and how can you forgive him for killing Big Sis Magne and taking Compress's arm? Like, I don't want to do this. And of course, he's doing the Twice thing where he's like, "That's not funny. That's hilarious." Right. And, uh, I love it. I, Twice is my favorite villain right now. I think he's, he's he keeps the uh, the comedy value there. He's great. This is interesting here because Toga actually comes up and she's like, why would I go and do something for these people that I want to cut? Like, I don't want to be anywhere near them. I don't want to help them. I don't want to be part of them. And, you know, I, I don't know that I follow why you're wanting to do it. And the only reason I'm here is because of what Stain's values brought. And I don't know that this is following those kind of. And, and she is still pretty stuck on the old ways of, of hero killer stain, it seems like. And this is when Shigaraki is like, look, I need you to go in and infiltrate. I've got a plan. Uh, we're we're going to figure this out. We're going to get revenge. And I'm going to be the one that wins. So he's planning some crazy stuff, it sounds like. Yeah, I have written in my notes that he, he tells them to flatter them up close and then we'll conquer them. And they So it's definitely a, uh, it's a, it's a double cross. Right. Did you notice how badly Shigaraki needs some chapstick? Oh yeah, and I don't know what's up with that guy's face, but 
something. I, I well, really I mean, want to learn what's going on with those hands. We still haven't figured that out yet. No, we hadn't heard anything definitive. We have some theories, um, but we haven't heard anything definitive about those hands yet. But yeah, he, he takes them off, and apparently it's like a big reveal or it seems something for to some Twice yeah. and, and Toga. Yeah. So he, I don't know if it was just the first time they'd ever seen his face, because we've seen his face before without the hands. Yeah. Um, well, no, but I, they definitely seem a little taken back. I feel like there have been scenes where they were in that bar and he didn't have the hands on his face and he was around them. So I don't know. It just They were taken aback, but I didn't really know why. Uh, but we kind of see the the fruition of this here because Twice and Toga are back together and they start making fun of Mimic. And I mean, they're like really getting to him. I mean, they, they start talking about how he's worthless and he's not doing his job and he's not protecting them. They're not working together. And Mimic starts to get pissed off. And when he does, it seems like he overpowers. Like They have this weird scene where it shows him in the walls and like a piece of twine and it snaps. So I guess that was just yeah. <laughs> like extra, you know, if you didn't get what was going on, then here it is. Uh, so he snaps and he opens up a hole in the ground and they dump through. And that's kind of where we leave off. Were they making fun of him or were they making fun of... I thought they were making fun of the quote-unquote boss slash Chisaki's father potentially. Um, Well, Like they were insulting the old man. I think they were doing a little bit of both, but I definitely think that they were insulting Mimic because they were... I kind of get the feeling Shigaraki wants them in there to kind of break down the bullets from the inside out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the Shie Hisaikai. I don't know how much about the bullets in total that they um, really know about Shigaraki knows about. Yeah. yeah. But it definitely seems like he's using them to try to, to break them from the inside out. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and they're Toga and twice aren't the only people descending down that hole, right? Weren't some other, I didn't think so. I thought there are other folks that won't suck down that thing. I too? thought mimic was just getting rid of them. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm misremembering the end of that episode. I didn't take a notes, but in my head, it wasn't just those two that were descending down the hole. Like maybe it was also Aizawa and, and Midoriya for some reason, but I could be totally misrecalling that. And I don't have the, the end of this episode must be like two or three more pages into the, into the next volume, like past what I have manga wise. Um, so we're finished with volume 16 now in this last bit, like starting from the end of the Midoriya slash Toga uh, Aizawa stuff into like all that stuff past that's got to be in volume 17. Interesting. So I okay. can't like refer back to it. No, for well, sure. I gotta say the end of this episode was quick. It didn't feel right to me. Like it, I was fully expecting there to be an after credit scene. And when there wasn't, I was really shocked because it just felt like all of a sudden, like it was just like, all right, into the episode credits roll. And you're, I mean, you, you're given a pretty neat preview for the next episode. We know that Mirio is going to be fighting overhaul or something in the next episode. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, but I felt like the ending of this episode was cut off real quick. Hmm. That was just my, my, my two I didn't cents. Get that, I didn't get that sense, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, there was a climax, right, where you get that twine snapping. So you know something something's about to go down. Uh, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think, where they, they're just like, all right, we led you to this precipice. Now we're going we're gonna to cut away and leave you in the lurch with people falling down holes and then tease you with the fact that uh, Lemillion finally catches up with uh, Chisaki, and there's going to be a. Cr- this has got to be an insane fight coming up. I hope so. I hope we because they have totally underestimated him. I mean, Mimic was just like, ah, he's not a threat. We'll let him go. You know, I, and I don't know. I'm just I'm interested in seeing what what he brings to the table with this fight because I get the feeling he's really going to show off here. Either that, or he's going to get wrecked and he'll be a nobody in like less than five minutes. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think so. Either. And I don't know how much the Shie Hisaikai know about him, but from the viewer standpoint, they've done a lot of building up of Mirio. So I can't imagine that he's gonna be this pushover. I think we're gonna see some amazing stuff from him coming up. I hope that's so. That's what I'm that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because if he's not what they've built him up to be, I'll be a little bummed. Especially with a name like Lemillion. I still can't get past right. that. Like if you're gonna have a crappy name like that, at least be an awesome hero. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that we're going to see some pretty bombastic stuff from him in the next episode or two. Yeah, I guess we'll see, man. Uh, right now, I know uh, episode 74 is coming out. Either It's already out. So I think it's it's already, it's already out. out now. So we're, we got to wait a week for 75. And so I think you guys will have another week before you hear us. So we won't have one next Monday, more than likely. That is at least not one of our filler episodes. We may have something planned for you. We'll see if we can get to it. Yeah, we've got a couple ideas for fillers now. We just got to find some time to to sit down together and holidays make that a little difficult, but we're we're almost through that stuff after New Year's, a couple days from um this episode going live, we'll we'll finally return to some semblance of normalcy and uh be able to 
cultivate a better routine and and be a little sharper with you guys. Like, I don't think I've posted a trivia in the last couple of weeks, and that's totally on the fact that it's the holidays and I had family and other things. But we'll we'll, we'll get back to it. I promise. Yeah, yeah, we will. Uh, but in other words, or in other news, I guess, happy 2020. This will be coming to yeah. you a couple of days beforehand. So. so happy New Year's from the AMP. And we hope to be a big part of your 2020, as big as we can make it. Um, and you guys can, as always, uh, increase your engagement with us, not just by listening and downloading, but also by following us on Twitter and plugging in the Discord uh, and, and just being, you know, a little bit more plugged in to the community that's building up around this podcast, yeah. which we Yeah, enjoy. we'd love to see you there. But anyways, have a good week, guys. All right. Happy New Year. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.